Alright everybody, welcome back to the eHunter Newscast. Uh, we're going to do another podcast similar to what we did uh, recently where we talked about Utah and some of the new things and changes and just kind of little tidbits about Utah, but we're going to talk about Colorado tonight. So we're actually going to switch roles. Um, Seth's going to be asking me the questions because I'm a resident of Colorado. doesn't mean I'm the <laughs> best person to be asking these questions, um, but I will do my best to answer them. But uh, Seth, how you doing tonight, man? Good, how are you? Doing excellent. Glad that we finally are doing this. We've been like trying to do this for like three weeks now, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, linking up has been a little bit difficult with everything going on. So oh, life's been life has been crazy lately. I hope it settles. Actually, it's not going to settle down. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Well, before we get started, um, as always, we want to thank our sponsors, um, Vortex Optics. They sponsor everything that we do at eHunter. Uh, you'll see them up on our website. You can click there and check out their stuff. You can go to their website, vortexoptics.com. Um, they just have some amazing stuff. We're you know, using some of their uh, newer products in the field, doing some testing. Uh, you guys can check out our YouTube videos and articles on some of their products. Um, super thankful for them and the, the relationship and partnership that we have with them. They are awesome, awesome dudes. So special shout-out to Sawyer over there. He's been really awesome. And then also a, a shout-out to our other sponsor for the podcast, which is PhoneScope. Um, I'm pretty sure most everybody's familiar with PhoneScope. I use them all the time. Seth, are you a PhoneScope guy? Yeah, yeah. I actually just got one recently, so been using it. Prior to that, I kind of used a jank one, and it's night and day how much better PhoneScope is than what I was using. So, Dude, it's funny how PhoneScope has like, like evolved over the years. So... Um, little history here. We're gonna do a little story time just to start this podcast off. I was actually, well, it's actually mainly my brother, but I kind of helped out um, back in the day with, when Cheston, who owns PhoneScope and started PhoneScope, he had a uh, online like social media type hunt or hunting social media thing. It was called Track My Trophies, and uh, loved it. It was it was a pretty cool thing. And then he kind of went away from that, went to PhoneScope. So I was kind of one of the first ones to get a PhoneScope and. Uh, it was it was okay, <laughs> it worked. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but man, they've come a long way. Um, gosh, they're they're amazing. So for those of you guys that uh, aren't familiar with PhoneScope, because I know we have hunters from all across the world that listen to to our podcast, um, it's basically an adapter. You have a, a case that you put your phone in. There's an adapter that goes on whatever optic you have, and they have a, an adapter for every single optic out there. Um, basically, put them together, marry them together, put it on your optic. And you can take pictures and video right through your spotting scope, your binocular, your monoscope, uh, whatever. Or yeah, did I say that mm -hmm. right? Monocular. That's what I meant to say. Binocular. Yeah. Um. Anyways, takes amazing video and pictures. Uh, you can check out our social media pages. We've got a lot of pictures up there that have been taken through uh, a phone scope. So, I appreciate them being a sponsor for the podcast this month. All right, Seth. Well, let's jump into uh, into Colorado. Like I said, I will do my best to to answer questions I've, I've got my notes here so uh, my buddy Tyson if, if you're listening Tyson um, hopefully I got my notes here and get it get it correct because he gave us crap on our Utah one <laughs> <laughs> hey actually well, I don't know if we ever claim to be experts we try our best and we, we do do research but every once in a while dates and uh, things flip by if, if everybody knew everything they wouldn't need that big old brochure or proclamation to 
to give you all the rules, right? Exactly, and that proclamation wouldn't change completely every year, too. I swear it's different every single year. But you're right. I mean, and we were only off on it just a few dates and things like that. So, But um, we got it corrected. We're good. <laughs> but actually, you know, funny story. Again, story time here. First of this podcast, I was talking to Tyson the other day about Colorado, mm-hmm. and this is something that was kind of interesting to uh, – I, I thought I knew this for sure, or thought I knew this, but then I he kind of you know solidified it with me. So he was asking about group applications. A lot of people, especially non-residents, put in for uh, group applications in Colorado, and right. he was wondering if like okay, so you put in. There's four of you that put in. If one person had to uh, withdraw, does that mean everybody has to withdraw? And actually, that's not true. If you have, if all four of you draw out, one of the people can turn back their tag and. Doesn't penalize the other ones, which I thought that was kind of cool. That is interesting. I didn't. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I, I mean, I put in for groups for both elk and deer, and uh, I've always wondered that. And I, I thought I, fi- I figured that's what that would be the case, but um, yeah, we found out for sure that he he called the CPW, and that was the answer. So kind of cool. Nice, nice. So I'll turn it over to you, and uh, you can uh, ask questions or make points, whatever you want to do. All right. Well. I will get to be the the griller now. You have to answer all my questions up to snuff. <laughs> um, I guess we'll just start off with with kind of the intro that we did in Utah on the Utah podcast. Um, so what's what's new in Colorado, Taryn? Anything exciting and pressing that that's come up recently? So yeah, there's a lot that's going on in Colorado, and I, I'm, I'm going to start with something that's actually. It's not new for this year. It was introduced a couple of years ago, and we've all known it's happening. Is is the dates moving back on each of the hunts? And like I said, this has happened for a couple of years now, and I think we've got one more year in it that the the dates will move back. So, um, if you're a third season hunter, you're basically hunting the old fourth season dates, and you know fourth season. Well, fourth season so late now. Fourth season is basically going to be post um, rut, huh? Almost. It's, it really, it's a migration hunt, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Anybody that's hunted deer in Colorado, the deer, for the most part, I'm, I've hunted deer here for quite a few years now, um, seem to start rutting a little bit earlier um, than in other states I've been in. For example, Utah, and so yeah, I agree with you. It's almost a post rut hunt, which good or bad I, I don't i honestly don't think it's going to be that good anymore personally i think i think it would really really depend on the weather mm-hmm. um if you get a ton of snow a lot of those places you're planning on getting to might be very difficult to get to and a lot of deer may push into their true winter range which a lot of their true winter range is on private land mm-hmm. in colorado so it may become a very difficult hunt um, and then if you don't get any weather, you know, it kind of depends on, on the deer in each unit, if they're going to get rutting or not, if you get nothing, I, I, it's, it's really going to be more of a coin flip than I feel like it has been in the past. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, you know, if you're a second season hunter or want to hunt second season, that's the old third season dates, which, you know, third season Colorado has always been kind of everybody's favorite time to go hunt deer maybe not favorite time but you could actually draw a tag and and go hunt so you know i know we've already put in for the draws here in colorado and it, that, that date's already passed but you know those people that are have, have thought about hunting second season it's probably a really smart idea with the like i said with those days moving back and then also kind of like what i said with the the rut here in colorado it seems to be a little bit earlier than other states so 
second season actually might be a pretty cool season this year. And it could be for sure. So that's that's a big one. Um, and again, I think we've got one more year in that for those dates to go back. Um, in this podcast, I'm going to kind of share my personal thoughts on things so you guys can judge me for <laughs> or however you want. Um, I'm disappointed that the Colorado Parks and Wildlife is doing this. Um, and we're going to talk about a few other things that I feel like they're doing to really decimate the herd. But um, honestly, I feel like hunting in Colorado is, is going to change. In the next two years, next three years, um, hunting deer in Colorado is not going to be what we've known it to be in the past. I feel like they're trying to wipe out all the older class, older age class bucks in the state. Um, I feel like they're they're actually kind of hurting our uh, what what we know as as Colorado deer hunting. Um, like I said, there's there's a couple things that are going to also impact that. But boy, moving those dates back, it's it's going to decimate those bigger bucks. And so if if you're uh, if you're wanting to get big bucks in Colorado, uh, you better start doing it in the next couple of years. Um, another there's a couple other things that have changed, uh, or well, that are new. Uh, in fact, we wrote an article recently, Seth, I believe actually you wrote the article, um, but talking about the mandatory CWD testing in Colorado for deer and elk now. It's mandatory in a lot of different units. It's not every single unit, but it's <laughs> it's, it's the majority of them. And so um, that's a, a, a big part of it. Uh, in the past, we've had that, you know, it was kind of a voluntary thing. You either did or you didn't. Um, but now in those units, it is mandatory. It's free to do, uh, so it's not hard to do. I've, I've done it. Um, I did it last year or maybe two years ago, and um, it was just a matter of stopping at the check station. They checked it out, did their stuff, and, I mean, it, it didn't take long at all. So that will be mandatory in a couple of different units or a lot of, of units now. Um, yeah, that's the – sorry but to cut you off, but that uh... – that was my first experience with it was actually this year in uh, this last hunting season in Utah, they had a, a check station where we hunt. So nice. first experience ever doing that. So, you know, it's, it honestly, for me, it's, it's a, it's been a peace of mind, I guess, more than anything that they checked it. And not that they've, you know, they've never linked it to humans or having an effect on humans, but uh, it's just nice to know that, you know, your animal's it's good to go. Yeah. And it's becoming right. pretty prevalent in Colorado, you know, the, the testing that they've done. And that's another thing. Again, this is Taryn's personal opinion, but they're using the, you know, moving these dates back and, and I was going to say destroying, I'll use the word destroying the older age class of deer in Colorado to get rid of, of CWD. And, and I don't think that's really worth doing. You know, CB, CWD numbers have gone up lately, but I mean, similar to coronavirus, They've tested a lot more lately, so of course the numbers are going to go up. Just like coronavirus, the more you test, of course the numbers are going to go up. In the past, you know, history, they never tested for it, so they didn't have the numbers that they have now. So we've probably killed deer for an elk for years and years and years that had CWD, and we never even knew it, and honestly didn't even care about it. But um, they're they're using this whole moving the dates back and other few things to destroy that older age class of deer because they think it's going to take away the it's, CWD. It's supposedly more prevalent in, in older age class animals. Um, and that's why they, they think they need to do it. Um, and, and it seems like some of the data out of Colorado and Wyoming 
it is centralized more towards bucks than does even mm-hmm. um my my biggest thing with all that and and you know i didn't want to get off on the on the cwd tangent so early in the podcast but <laughs> I, I think my biggest thing is I, I agree with taryn in that that it's probably been prevalent for ever and ever it, and i personally feel like if we're smart about what we're doing while we harvest our animals will be okay because because the only precedent they have to worry about cwd is that it, it is similar to what mad cow disease was in britain and, and mad cow jumped to humans in britain but they got it under control fairly quickly because of of the cuts of meat that were were the main components of that and, and that comes back to to we as hunters you know we've always been told you got to use the whole thing don't waste any of the animal which is understandable but we do need to be smart about what we are eating. We, we can't, and, and I know I'm going to rile some people up, but we can't be the guys that, that go, okay, let's cut the tongue out. Let's cut head meat off. Let's take, you know, lymph nodes and upper neck meat near the spinal cord. If, if you just don't take those pieces of meat, the chances of it jumping from a, a rump roast or the ribs or, or any of that is, is so much smaller it it's just it's just a much safer way to harvest your your meat. Yeah, and, and kind of going back to your comment about you know, it's more prevalent in bucks than does, and I, I'd love to see the numbers of testing. How many bucks have they tested versus how many does? Because I would imagine that a lot more bucks have been tested. So, of course, your numbers right. are going to be skewed because they're testing more of those than they are does. Right. So, right. I, I almost feel like they're. Sorry, this is very opinionated. So those that are listening, <laughs> hopefully you guys are, have a similar opinion that I do. But um, I feel like the numbers, they're, they're getting the the statistics that they're looking for, basically, on it. So right. it's interesting. Then, you know, Montana, not to jump off, but, but Montana just did the same thing with whitetails. Um, they had a, a whole new hunt put in place to to kill off and focus more on, on whitetails in a couple of regions or game management units, whatever you want to call them, um, in the state because both bucks and does were testing pretty highly. Um, so they went through and killed off a bunch more tip, uh, more, sorry, they killed a bunch more does on these units on these extended hunts. And it came back that they were tested something like 26% of the, the whitetails they tested, even the does had it. Um, and I guess my biggest thing is, is if it's as deadly as they claim and, and they're trying to thin the density, how, how were the deer living through it in the last couple of years? And then maybe they weren't, you know, I'd like to see the data behind it. Maybe they were finding tons of dead whitetails uh, in Montana. But, but that would have been evident. You would have heard about that. I mean, goodness gracious, look at right. the news that we write about. We write about every little thing on our website. So if that would have happened, you know, it'd be on our site. Yeah. And the only state that's reported any kind of, of, mass sickness or die off enough that they returned hunter permits was was north dakota North dakota yeah uh, yeah and that's and that's the only one and, and granted I, the densities there were were obviously pretty thick with whitetails and it was it was what whitetails that were affected they didn't return mule deer permits because the mule deer in north dakota north dakota are more sparse mm-hmm. um, so i i don't know like i, I get trying to manage it but i i kind of agree with you i mean you can even if you guys want to read more about it. I mean, you can even read about the management system they they started in the early 2000s, um, 
in and around the red feather area of Colorado, they, they slaughtered every deer there. I mean, they, they increased doe permits to an, an incredible amount, shot all the bucks and basically killed it to, to, to nothing and let the herd regrow. And now they're finding that didn't do anything because they still t- test at almost the same level of CWD in the, in the region. And there's a lot of studies going on right now that the, linking it to uh it being parvo like in dogs that stay in the ground and the plants and stuff of the environment for extended periods of time that's wild that is so wild oh Oh, man i don't know i i listen to a lot of people that are you know very knowledgeable with mule deer um and and the way that they you know talk about this like it, it had to have been around and I and, and I've also talked to you know CW or CPW um, officials biologists and and you can tell in the, in the way that they talk about CWD that they're not I don't know if they fully support what the management plan is right now for Colorado with the way they're managing their deer I think most of them in the back of their minds are like, ah, I probably wouldn't do this. And but if you were to talk to them off record, they'd be like, this is, it's scary what's going on, but they've got a job. They've got to protect their job. It's the livelihood for their family. So they've got to do what, you know, what, whoever's pulling the strings tells them to do. So, right. Anyways, that's enough about CWD. I just, uh, it, it it's a bummer. It, it really is. Um, but that is a change for Colorado is there is mandatory testing, um, so we're going to see those numbers go up this year. This will be a, a record year for CWD in Colorado, and there will be a lot of red flags, and there will be a lot of articles on our website about it and, and all that. But Yeah, and, keep... and last year was the same way. I, I covered a ton of articles last year on on CWD and even overflowing into this year where, you know, the southwest region has all of a sudden started to see, you know, quote unquote record amounts of deer with CWD, but it's because they're increasing testing yeah. and it's going to take that increased testing a few years at, at, a, at a level before they actually get a, a set data point of, you know, they can really look and say, okay, we're testing X amount of deer and the prevalence is here, you know, at this percentage point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's all over the board depending. I mean, I mean, Wyoming's been dealing with it for years too. There's certain, there's certain sections in Wyoming that, they claim the prevalence is 40% of the deer have it. And you would think the deer would just be dropping like flies. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, unna- I, I like to say, I'm not a biologist. I'm not a epidemicologist or whatever. Epidemiologist, yeah. Yeah. So you're going to say it better than I am, but I, I don't understand it all. And I won't claim to, but I, it just seems like to me, if it was as deadly as they claim, there would be deer bodies just scattered across the landscape constantly in some of these regions but one thing for sure that is and can be deadly is hunting (laughs) that's what hunting is and so you make it you put rifle hunting at the most ideal point in 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 hunting you know right during the rut you put rifle hunting right then where the most tags are and uh oh holy moly and the the thing is though for for i mean geez 20 years their deer herd had been able to to handle it. I mean, they've they've had that hunt in place for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and well, and up until this increase, they, they, 
I mean, sorry, uh, up until this increase, there's a reason Colorado was a destination, man. They, they've killed more Boone and Crockett or record book deer in that state than even the two Canadian provinces. You know, they, they were putting some world-class deer on the ground because of the time of year, obviously, but the deer were able to sustain it. And year after year, you were still killing incredible quality deer. Well, for the past 20 years, you've had one season that was that at that level. You know, third season True. wasn't quite there yet. At the end of the third season, they they may be starting to get into that rut. And those, I, you know, that, I remember that last weekend of third season was the one you looked forward to. You would pass on everything all week long, wait for that last week, and be like, okay, magic's going to happen right here. So it was always just that one season. But now, second, third, and fourth are all going to touch the, the, the rut, and you're, you're going to... You're going to decimate those animals. And going back to your point that, you know, they're going to need several years. I think you said three to five years, something like that, of, of statistics with this CWD testing um, to really, you know, make decisions and make changes. Well, in three to five years, I, I really don't see the herd, the deer herd in Colorado being what we've known it to be. I, I think it will be destroyed. Right. It'll take some time to recover if they even decide to do that. They may keep it, this harvest level, the same. Um and, you know, going back, my only experience with Colorado's obviously my my dad guided there for years and years. Um, and then we hunted it when I was a youth hunter back in 2001, third season. And our, our, our third season hunt was, was great. Mm-hmm. The Most of the bucks were in with the does starting to show rut activity. We had a great hunt. A lot of guys took deer. Nothing massive, but we saw a couple really nice bucks that we couldn't make it work out. Um but it was still a blast, and then then there was tons of deer, and they were starting to rut, um, and they've been able to manage that. But like you said, they've moved dates back, they've increased harvest. That's the biggest thing. I think moving dates is one thing, but when you when you increase permits, you're going to increase harvest. It's just we're we're too effective yep. at, as a management tool, and so when you do that, you're you're going to lower deer populations, which is their plan initially yeah. until they can figure out what to do with the deer and cwd yep yep that's their plan and that's their plan is to get rid of the higher age class because we already talked about it that's the work that's where it's more prevalent and so it it is accomplishing what they want it to accomplish um i i'm just very nervous about the long-term effect that it'll have but you know one thing i will say for those listening um you know if, if you have a lot of points in colorado I would, I would recommend really, you know, looking at what units you can possibly get into um, in the next year or two that, you know, if again, 20 points, something like that, 15 to 20 points or or more, I would be looking to see where you can burn those points and and get hunting. But, and then also at the same time, there's so much opportunity for deer hunting in Colorado. And so take advantage of that while we have it. it, it is a great place to hunt and like like seth just talked about i mean it it's the mecca of deer hunting it, it really is that destination for uh for deer hunting it, i've loved it i love i've loved hunting in colorado ever since i started um and will probably hunt the rest of my life here in colorado i mean it's just it is so much fun to hunt so there, and there is a lot of opportunities and and you'll hear this a lot of people that know colorado or spend time in colorado or or hunt separate states as well as colorado will tell you uh you know maybe not after the these changes but prior to it that state is a deer factory (laughs) it had 
it had everything they need to not only grow big deer but grow a lot of deer even with even with how high the the state's elk numbers are and you hear people you know like my home state of utah they argue that the the deer and elk are in direct competition with each other and that's why the two herds have to be you know kind of managed to to get a, a carrying capacity well whatever utah's is colorado crushes it obviously they get more water better habitat maybe but but to have the amount of deer and elk they they've had in that state is is pretty outstanding and as soon as i walk out of my house i'm gonna be getting hit with tomatoes or just shot probably for all this stuff i'm talking about with colorado because everybody nobody wants anybody else to come to colorado and hunt but (laughs) well i I mean if that's the case they need to read the news because guess what everybody's coming it's no secret it is no (laughs) secret i don't think these days hop on social media for a minute and uh you'll figure that out um Seth, as far as any other changes, nothing really crazy. Um, you know, turkey licenses qualified you to, to put in for the secondary draw this year. Um, the leftover licenses and the over-the-counter over the counter license um, will go on sale the same day. I believe that's August 3rd this year. I think 9 a.m. August 3rd is when when those go on sale. And that, you know, that's actually another thing probably ought to just mention. Um, one thing great about Colorado is... It's it's an opportunity state. There's a lot of leftover licenses that you can you can purchase, and then there's a lot of over the counter stuff. And I think when we get into the elk conversation, we need to talk about the over the counter stuff. Um, so it, you know, if, if you're uh, an eastern hunter, you want to hunt elk. Honestly, I don't know that you can beat Colorado's over the counter um, opportunities. There's so many units that you can go to. We can maybe talk here in a little bit about some of the better units that that you can choose. Um, but anyways, those will, those will both go on sale the same day, which, again, it's, it's August 3rd, and I believe it's at 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. Mountain Time, that, um, that those go on sale. Uh, a couple of the changes. Um, there's a couple of units that uh, the Mooses have a, a quota in the draw for 2021, uh, or a limited quota that, they, that they've changed just because of fires and different things that have affected it. So you can check out the brochure and, and read the details on that. Um, there's a couple of closures. Uh, nothing. I don't really think anything is really going to impact a lot of hunters. There's a few units that have closed, um, either the entire unit or just part of the units, uh, due to fires or due to numbers, different things like that. So, um, other than that, no, no other main or big changes outside. I mean, those, those first few that we talked about are kind of the big ones. Right. Yeah, and and you know. It's understandable because, like I say, every state's going to have changes every year. It's just we wanted to touch on these big ones so that you you guys going into it can can get a grasp of what's happening in this state if you're if you're planning on applying or, or grabbing a an over the counter permit or whatever for Colorado. Um, but uh, Taryn, let's we kind of touched on it briefly, but the let's uh, let's segue into deer hunting in in Colorado. Um, let's. Uh, Let's talk about maybe some of the opportunities, um, you know, lower point barriers and, and what Colorado has going on that way. And then maybe we'll uh, transition into some of the better high point units. Okay. So the great thing about uh, Colorado is kind of what I mentioned before. There's so much opportunity um, to hunt deer here. Um, you know, other areas have like a general unit, then limited entry units, um, you know, those special units that – that really carry like the, the best deer um, and, and I guess similar in Colorado there, there are certain units that carry uh, the better deer um, 
But you know, here we have an archery season, a muzzleloader season. There's no first rifle season um, for deer. <laughs> That's only for elk. So if you're if you're looking at deer in Colorado and you're putting in for the draw and you're like, okay, I'm gonna put in for first rifle and it doesn't exi- it doesn't pop up. That's because it doesn't exist. Those, those dates don't exist for it. But but then there is second, third, and fourth um, seasons for Colorado rifle deer. Uh, let me just read off the dates. I wrote them down just because I wanted to let you guys kind of know when they are. So second rifle is October 30th through November 7th. So you're already into November on second rifle, which is amazing to me. Third rifle is November 13th through the 19th. And then fourth rifle is November 24th through the 28th. So right at Thanksgiving, basically. So tons and tons of opportunity. You know, and then another thing that's cool about Colorado is, um, so if you're not familiar with Colorado, the way that the, the geography works in the state, on the western side, west of I-25, it's very mountainous, high peaks, that's where all your 14ers are, you know, the Rocky Mountains, I guess that's easily said, Rocky Mountains, um, very mountainous. But then once you get east of, of I-25, it, it's plains, a lot of private land, um, but it's, it's Kansas, it's flat as a pancake. But there's a lot of opportunity to hunt deer out there, and it's, I think it's a, a very underutilized and underappreciated hunting opportunity in Colorado that people don't take advantage of. Um, you can do rifle or uh, not rifle archery on those plains hunts. Um, the dates for those are October 30th through November 9th. However, there are a few of them that are different. Um, in fact, there's some of them that last all the way through November and December that you can actually go down and hunt archery on those plains hunts. A buddy of mine actually did that um, last year. I think he's actually going to do it again this year. I won't tell you guys what unit, but um, pretty cool opportunity because then you're hunting deer in Colorado with your bow during the rut. I mean, that's that's such a cool, cool um, opportunity to uh, to have here. So, again, lots of opportunity um, to hunt in, in multiple places throughout the state. Yeah, and you know, being a a non-resident looking at at uh, hunting Colorado, the biggest advice I can get is is look over some units, pick one, and look at uh, look at the seasons that are offered and available. Because I I think one point Tarrant didn't touch on is some of them, not very many, but some of them do offer a what they call an early second rifle. Yeah, and I think you're hunting them in like late September. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, with a rifle, high, mostly high country hunting, but you're hunting high country with a rifle before the other rifle hunters get a chance at them, before the deer have started to, to transition towards that winter range or that migration season. Um, and, and pick them and look at them because even some of these units, you know, you can look at a unit and, and four seasons, you know, 27 points or 25 points or whatever, and – uh, you know, a second season's only four points, or some of them are even as low as one or two points on a really good unit for four season. And yeah, you're you're hunting them earlier and and not in that peak rut. But but if you can locate a buck, I mean, you're gonna have first crack at him. Um, and and Colorado does a great job at, at providing opportunity. Uh, low point barrier units are out there, and it doesn't take uh, much effort to to find them. Um, find a unit to hunt um and then an, another point on that plains uh hunt that uh Taren brought up like you said it is widely private there are a few units with some some national uh, grasslands i think that you can access or get get to but by and large you're going to want to try to to find a landowner or someone that's going to allow you to have some 
some trespass access. Um, but but it's also another great opportunity. And you can find that access pretty easily. Um, honestly, a Google search will, will help you with that. If, the, if you draw a tag in a certain unit and you're trying to get access to different places, you can Google search it and um, you can find ranches and phone numbers to those ranches. And people do it all the time and they call in and get the, the information to get those trust. Usually it's going to require a trespass fee. Um, that ranges. I, I don't want to dare throw out numbers because that could be completely different depending on where you're at. Um, yeah. But yeah, very, trust pass fees and, and yeah, you can get from very things. easy manageable prices to some very expensive prices. But but that probably indicates the quality of wildlife and, and animals too a lot of the time. Yeah, you get what you pay for for sure. You know, another cool opportunity that a lot of people don't think about in Colorado is whitetail. So we do have whitetail here. In fact, <laughs> we were hunting third rifle two year no three years ago. And um, we're looking on this private land and just kind of looking at all these deer and saw a couple bucks. And in the middle of all these mule deer is this whitetail buck. And I, uh, man, I was praying that that thing came off of the the <laughs> private land. He wasn't a huge buck, but how cool it would have been to, to get that whitetail. But so there actually are some over-the-counter whitetail op, um, opportunities here in Colorado. They're late season or late rifle opportunities. Um, let's see, the season dates, I wrote those down. So... Season dates are December, well, the whole month of December, December 1st to December 31st. Um, they're only in certain units that you can you can hunt them. Um, they're actually here close to my home and and kind of going south from me. But um, it's an either sex license, so you can shoot either one. Uh, the, I will admit the <laughs> the units that you have that you can get a whitetail over the counter license. You're not going to find a ton of a ton of whitetail. You'll you'll kind of like what I found in, in that hunt that I you know there's all these mule deer and all of a sudden there's this one whitetail buck, um, but still, you know you have a whitetail tag in your pocket and are and are out there pursuing whitetail. And again, it's either sex, late rifle, December first through December thirty first. Um, just another cool opportunity. Nice. Um. Yeah. So. The biggest thing is is with Colorado if you if you want to go hunt there there is the ability to hunt. Don't don't feel like it's it's some overwhelming thing and you've got to you know try to find the perfect unit. There are plenty of units that you can get into fairly easy, you know, maybe a year or two. Some some you might be able to get in on that zero points even, but but by and large one or two points will get you hunting at least in the state for deer. Um hey, you sorry to cut you off, but that's a good point. Um there are a lot of zero point units, not a lot, but there's there's several zero point units in Colorado that you'll shoot some of the biggest deer of your life. You know, and I almost compare it to general units in, in other areas like Utah, for example. In Utah, you can hunt general units, and if you're a resident, I guess when I was a resident, you could hunt it every year. Can you still hunt general every year <laughs> as a resident? Mm, not not rifle hunting, probably. If uh, you wanted to bow bow hunter, muzzleloader hunt, maybe. But we've got some serious point creep going on with our general season stuff. But bow hunting pretty much every year, yeah. So kind of similar to that. You, you, and you can find some big deer in the general units in Utah. But similarly here in Colorado, you can find these units that are zero-point units. Um, and, and you, know, sorry, I'm going to kind of go on a little bit of a tangent here, so hopefully, hopefully everybody can keep up with me. You can even find second-choice units with zero points and, and be able to build up points. Um, you or you just get a preference point for your first choice and, and on a second choice get a tag um, but zero point units out there that you can get some 
you know, great deer. Uh, for example, we hunted a zero point unit a few years ago, and you know, we pulled a 185 and a 190 inch deer off of off of them. I mean, just there's so much opportunity here in Colorado, and and that those zero point units are, are pretty awesome. And um, you can find those. Uh, you can hop on the CPW's website and see which units you were able to draw with zero points. And, and do a little bit of research. And all these guys, if, if you have any questions, don't be afraid to reach out to us. Um, again, we may not be the high, you know, highest professional that you know, but um, we can definitely answer some questions for you. So if you're looking at putting in for Colorado, uh, feel free to reach out. But I did also want to talk about the, the second choice and, and third choice options that you have in Colorado. So a lot of people, and this is what they do, is first choice they put in for a preference, preference point and then they put their second choice in a unit that's a zero point unit. Um, they're able to build their points in the state and also still be able to hunt deer, and which is a pretty cool opportunity. Not every state's like that, but you can continue to build those points each and every year and still be able to hunt every year and, and hunt pretty dang good units. So another cool um, thing that Colorado has going for them. Yeah, and, and to spin off of Taryn's point about the zero point units is uh, – Starting back in 2010, my uncle and his his uh, buddies hunted a zero point unit every year from 2010 to 2005. Um, the smallest buck they took was a 145. Every buck was better than that, um, and they they never took a, a real giant. But every year they either missed great big bucks or saw you know 180s 190s moving through and and this was right at when onyx was starting to get in the game and none of them older guys really understood it and you know talking to my uncle now he's like man if we would have known exactly where the private land parcels were we probably could have killed some even better bucks that we just weren't sure of where to get to um so they're out there and every unit, you know, like I say, it, it might get sketchy here in the next few years as they start killing age class, but every unit's got the potential to, to produce a, a beautiful deer. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Um, so we covered deer pretty well. Um, you know, sorry to cut you off again, Seth, but real quick, um, if you're looking at Colorado and you're like, oh, I want to build some points and hunt some amazing Units in Colorado, if, if you're looking for kind of some of the better units, I will say the northwest corner of Colorado is, eh, they've got a pretty good deer herd <laughs> up there. It's going to take you 20 plus points to draw it, um, but uh, that's that's kind of the, uh, well, that's one of the nicest areas for, for deer and elk. We'll talk about that in a minute, I'm sure, but um, if you're wanting to, to build to that 20 plus point range to to hunt the monsters, that's that's a great one. There's a few other sneaky sneaky areas that are that produce some pretty good deer. They're they're probably that 10 to 15 point range. But you know, if you get around the Gunnison Basin, um, some of those units, like I said, they're they're going to take quite a few more points, that 10 to 15 range to to draw them. Um, but they'll produce some some pretty good deer. Um, also around that Eagle area, there's there's uh, a few units again, kind of that same point range, but um, but yeah, there's some really nice deer that, that come out of there. So if you're trying to build points and you're looking for areas that you want to, to kind of focus on as you get to those higher point numbers, I, I would say um, I would focus on on those ones if, you, if you're like, oh yeah, that 10 to 15 point range is kind of where I want to get to and, and get a really nice deer. 
I'd probably say that Gunnison Basin Eagle range would be a great way, to, great place to go. If you're wanting to build that 20 plus range, um, that Northwest corner of Colorado is, it's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. And, and to, to go with that, uh, Taryn brought up the Eagle area. If you, if you look at record book bucks, man, the, that Eagle area has produced, it's, it's got the genetics. That's for it sure. Does. You it's know, just not as. Some... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say they might not hit it every year. They might have some some weather issues or something like that that hurts the herd. But but the genetics are are been are there and they've been there for a long time. Yeah, exactly. And the density of those big bucks, you're you're not you know there's some of those areas that have a higher density of those bigger bucks. But you're absolutely right, Seth. The genetics are there. And actually, I mean, if you look across, gosh, a lot of that that area <laughs> um right. going north to south you'll, you'll find the genetics i mean all the way down into uh you know the pagosa springs area durango area you know if you kind of follow that line up through the continental divide area um they've got some pretty dang good genetics well and and another another one that kind of gets forgotten um what you what you have to realize is especially if you can hunt it early um all those units on the very southern, you know, southwest end of of uh, Colorado, a lot of those deer are migrating into some of the best units in New Mexico in yes. the in the November season. So if you can get an earlier hunt um, for those southern units, you're you're talking about hunting some of New Mexico's best deer, but they're actually on the Colorado side. So. Yeah, honestly, art for archery hunters, that's a great place to go and great point, Seth. If you, yeah, well, and even like any early hunt, but archery hunt, hunting would be a that'd be a fantastic place to archery hunt down there. Right. Um. Let's see. So, just trying to recap what we've covered. So we did. We talked about the opportunities. Covered some units there to to really look into. Um. I guess let's get to the the number one reason people come to Colorado. Let's talk about elk hunt, <laughs> dude. Elk hunting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start story time off here before you even ask me a question with elk hunting. Um, I've hunted elk, in, or I haven't hunted elk. I've put in for elk in many states for a very long time, and just chasing the points. Um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna use Utah as an example. That point creep just continues to go up and up and up, and I'm chasing. Uh, that opportunity to hunt elk in in Utah and here in Colorado, I mean, last year was one of the funnest years I've ever had hunting in my entire life, and and number one was my elk hunt. I mean, that elk hunt was a freaking blast. Um, if you never hunted elk in Colorado, you're you're missing out. It's a, it is so much fun. Yeah, um, like I say, my only experience was when we drew that deer tag we bought over-the-counter elk tags just to have them on us um and we saw a herd but uh that was before the onyx days and we weren't a hundred percent sure if which side of the fence they were on so we let them walk but there were two two five-point bulls in the herd and so we if we'd have known where they were once we got over to where they were they were actually on the public side so it hurt oh. us even more but but uh if we had known exactly where they were at uh in relation to the private we could have had to five point elk to go along with our deer that year so oh man well i shot a nice five by six last year a lot bigger elk than i've ever shot in utah i'll tell you that much and man he, it was fun he, he looked real big on the back of that llama man dude <laughs> he was so dude, oh man and when we shot two of them and my my friend that was with me he shot one a really nice six point i mean it was and we saw we saw elk 
every single day. We chase screaming bulls. I mean, it's exactly what you want to do. If you want to hunt elk or you are an elk hunter, you want to be out there with a call in your mouth, you know, pissing those things off, having them come into you. I mean, it is everything that you think about when you think about elk hunting. And I did it with zero points. I, you know, I, oh man, it was it was so fun. I'm getting all excited just talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about, I guess, first and foremost, the, the, the easiest way for a guy to get a, an elk tag in Colorado. And we kind of touched on it, but it's, it's the over, over the counter permits for elk hunting. Um, I guess the biggest thing is, and I'll let Taryn take off from here, but the biggest thing you got to realize with the over-the-counters is, is you're going to get a, a tag, no problem, but you are going to have a little tougher hunt because it's obviously over-the-counter hunting, and the elk herd is going to be a little more scattered um, because of the pressure involved. Yeah, so I'll give you a more information on it. So for over-the-counters for second and third season elk hunting, um, so you're outside of the rut. It's after the rut has already happened. Um, which is okay, you know, they're, they're moving and and you you can still find them pretty easily. Um, so second and third season, uh, rifle over the counter. Um, most of the units that are over the counter are west of I-25. There's a few down south that you can hunt on the east side, but I, I don't recommend it. Um, there, but there's so much opportunity. Uh, once you get west of Denver and really, well, I should say west of Vale area. Um, there's a huge chunk of of units that are just over the counter. So, and, and Seth brought up a good point. You know, a lot of people will put in for deer for Colorado because of the reasons that we talked about a little bit ago. But then, why not throw that elk tag in your pocket and you're hunting deer and elk at the same time? And um, again, it's over the counter. You don't have to put in for a draw. You don't have to use points or anything like that. So, and it covers some pretty dang good units. Um, you know, some of the best units, or I guess for for density and population of elk, it really covers some of those better units. Up by Craig, Colorado, is an area that holds a lot of elk, um, a lot of migration territory there. So, you know, up up that way, up by Winter Park, Granby area, um, there's a lot of, you know, opportunity up there. And then it even goes, you know, down south. You know, we talked about that area in southwest Colorado, kind of down by Durango, Cortez area, you know, all that is over the counter as well. So it is very, very easy to, to obtain a, a license in Colorado. And, and it's not just over the counter like, oh, you're not going to see anything. There's a lot of these areas that you're going to see a ton of elk. In fact, the area that I hunted in last year, I, I hunted at first season, and we could talk about kind of that opportunity. But you could hunt that same area second and third season over the counter so i mean just just tons of opportunity not only just to have a tag in your pocket but opportunity to see elk and actually um harvest when i wish i had the statistics on how many over-the-counter tags you know or actually have get a harvest i probably should have pulled that up and i'm sure you could find it on the colorado parks and wildlife page but it's it's pretty high there's we kind of talked about deer and you know the density and the population this is a, a deer factory but similar with elk the only issue is you know you're not really going to find that that 400 class elk except for in just a few units in Colorado we can talk about that in a minute as well most elk that you're going to see in Colorado especially in these over-the-counter units are going to be you know that that 200 to 300 range elk Um, still I mean still nice elk and it's a blast to hunt them even second and third season it's still fun 
to be out there and hunting those those elk. So that's that's probably the best opportunity for hunting elk in Colorado. Right. Um, a couple of other things that we can we can kind of talk about it, and I did want to share with you guys. So it has the same dates as the the deer. Um, so the archery dates are the same, muzzleloader dates are the same. Again, there is that first rifle for elk, and it's October 16th through the 20th this year. Then there's second rifle, third rifle, and fourth rifle for elk. Um, first rifle is kind of that one that's um, the rifle season that most people want to get. And so some of the units that um, are over are over the counter for second, third, are a draw for first rifle. Um, still you know they're great units you're going to catch little guys kind of the end of the rut and so that's a lot of fun and then um you know archery archery and muzzleloader really hit kind of the heart of the rut here in colorado um i was going to talk about the like kind of those zero point units kind of like what we talked with deer uh, right. similar in colorado for especially for that first season first rifle there's a lot of those zero point units that you can get a tag fairly easy um, and, and even going back to the, you know, putting in for a preference point for first choice. So that's what I've been doing is I've been building points here in Colorado and then using my second choice to draw my tags. And yeah, I can draw those tags on those zero point units pretty easily. Um, I'm a resident, so it makes it a little bit easier than those that are non-resident. But still, there is a lot of opportunity for non-residents to draw a second choice um, first rifle tag and then still continue to build points. So, so pretty cool opportunities there as well. Yeah, and and to just because you were asking about the success, so so Colorado lists them to combine, so so second season and third season, so some of these would be over the counter and some of them would be limited, but but overall, you're about seventeen to eighteen percent on second and third seasons um, harvest, and then it bumps up a little bit for fourth season, and then to like twenty four, twenty five percent on fourth season. And then first season, you're up around like 25 to 27 percent um, success on these elk hunts. And the thing is, you got to remember is is elk a little different than deer. They they do like to live in some rough country. You can find deer pretty much anywhere, but but most of the elk are going to be in a little harder to get to places, which is why you see a little bit of a drop in success compared to deer. I, I will say, if you're going to hunt elk in Colorado, be be ready to put in the work. Um, because most of them do live in the Rocky, I mean, they live in that Rocky Mountain range. Um, it is hard, and yeah, as Seth pointed out, like last year, I took llamas in, and um, had I not done that, I mean, I we packed in, I think it was six miles in, up this trail where we could get away from, from everybody, took the llamas in there, had our, our camp set up, and then we hunted from there, but, you know, that was just the beginning, just to get to camp, and then we hiked another you know, anywhere from five to ten miles to get to where we could see elk every single day. So, you know, be be prepared to work for it. But if if you want to to raise those percentage numbers um, for yourself, um, put in the work. Make sure that you you find the the units that are better for you and have a higher density of elk. I mentioned an area you know around that Craig area is is a great place. Um, there's a few other places that, uh, down south. There's there's some good places as well. Um, find the areas that are more dense with elk um be willing to to get out and scout i would recommend if you're coming in from out of state come in um fairly early if you've never been here before and if you haven't if you haven't been here before i'd I'd almost use my first year out here or even second year out here really using that as my scouting you know really finding out where i i need to be and and 
and being willing to do that. And then, um, yeah, you're going to put a lot of miles on your shoes or your horse or whatever you're on. Um, but uh, I, I can tell you, if you, if you're willing to do that, you're going to, your success rate is going to go way up. Yep. And it, it's just like everything. I mean, even if you're in your home state, once you learn a unit, you, you kind of have a feeling of where things are going to be, what you need to do to, to, to kill an animal. And, and that's going to be the same way hunting in Colorado for elk. You're going to have to learn where, where they like to be certain times of the year, what they do when they're pressured, all those things will help you be more successful. And that a lot of that just comes down to being able to put in the work and, and walk further and, and get into spots that the elk go when they're scared. So yeah, we called one of these canyons we went into. In fact, my buddy shot his elk into it. We called it Hell's Canyon. I mean, it was it was a word I don't want to say on this. If Monty was on here, I'd let him explain it because he could explain it better than I can. But <laughs> using his, his language, um, but a nasty it, hole. It was. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and then I had to. So we put all the meat on the llamas to come out of it, and but we were kind of weighed down, and and we really didn't have any more weight to put on them. We I didn't want to hurt them. So I put the head on, on my back because um, my friend, he he was a bit older, and I, I didn't want him carrying it out. So I put it on my back, and oh, my gosh. it, it I thought I was going to die that day. I, I was ready to meet my maker that day because it, it was so horrible coming out of there. But, but that's what you got to do to get elk in Colorado. I mean, we got back. So we, we brought it into camp, took care of it all there, and then we brought it back down to the trailhead where, I mean, that was like, tent city it was crazy how many people were down there and they were just blown away that we're bringing in these these huge elks yeah Yeah. and and they're like what you know what how did you do where'd you find them obviously we didn't tell them where we found them but you know we're like guys we we put in the work Uh, my feet are killing me i haven't eaten in you know 16 hours i it's been a it's been a rough go and so um but if you're willing to put in the work in colorado you your success rates would go definitely go up yep um, let's talk about, uh, some of the high point units. Uh, there's not a lot of them in Colorado. Um, but let's, let's talk about some of the better, harder to draw units and what to expect if you draw a, a permit like that. Yeah. So I'll give you kind of the best units. Um, and then I'll, I'll give you what some of the ones that I think are at least one that I feel like is kind of a sneaky one that I think people maybe should look at. And actually I think a lot of people are, but again, that Northwest, uh, part of Colorado, and, and it's really just a few units. So units one, two hundred one, units two, unit two. Um, that is where the best elk in the state of Colorado reside. Um, it, it's amazing. If you've never had a chance to go up there and, and see those elk, you, you, you know that's where you'll find that. You know, three seventy five, four hundred class bull is up there. The problem is, is it takes you know twenty plus, twenty five plus points to draw those units. Um, and that continues to creep every single year, um, people chasing it. So I've actually got a buddy um, that has enough points to draw that that tag finally. Uh, he's, I don't even know how he is, mid-50s-ish. Mid <laughs> he's been building a right. lot of points for a long time. Um, <laughs> but that, that's going to be so cool. So that, that really is. If you're looking for that pinnacle of elk hunting in Colorado and you're going to build those points, that's where you want to hunt. It's really those three units up in that area. Um, again, I'll kind of give you that that sneakier sneaky area. That, that, I don't even know what the the word is. The sleeper sleeper area, I guess. Um, you know, one area I really like 
and um, I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot here because I'm going to give it away, is the unit is unit 76. And so that's kind of down like the, the Pagosa Springs area. Um, right. Really cool area. I, I've spent quite a bit of time there. And again, I'm shooting myself in the foot here, so nobody put in for the same season that I'm putting in for. But um, And actually, it's not just 76, really around that whole area. Um, you're starting to see uh, a bigger and an older age class get built up in that area. And um, you, you'll find bulls, um, and I'll just kind of share my experience there. Uh, I've bear hunted there quite a bit, and... Um, as I'm bear hunting, I'm, I'm really actually just scouting for elk, and it's really been fun to watch the elk herds really in that whole area start to uh, to improve. And again, it's not just the, the numbers of elk, but it's also the age class of elk that, that we're seeing there. So I would say anywhere, you know, 76, 66, 77, 751, kind of all that area, you're starting to see those, those elk um, start to improve. So that would be my sleeper area um, if, you're, uh, if you're not looking to build up 20 – plus points the bad thing about that one is it's still going to take you that probably 10 15 and as the point creep goes it may push closer to 20 as the years go on but a pretty cool area yeah and then so my only experience with talking uh units or big elk units in colorado um i worked with a bunch of guys out of colorado i don't know seven or eight years ago at this point and and the large majority of them the elk hunted would not shut up about unit 61 never step never stepped foot in it don't know the quality of of elk on it but i do know it's hard to draw um but uh, you're you're up in that 21 22 points i think to draw and they they all felt like that was the a great unit to to shoot a big bull on so so i hunted bear there um a couple of years ago and um there are you know i i expect I'll be honest, I expected more out of that unit because you're right, it's a 20-plus point unit. Um, right. But, I, you know, I, I saw some pretty good bulls while I was there, and um, but nothing that I thought was, you know, I I guess I'm a Utah boy, <laughs> and yeah. we're kind of spoiled in Utah. So I, I was expecting that class of bull when I was over there, and I'd say it's probably more of like a 320 to 340, 350 maybe, uh, right. class bull unit uh, at least from what I saw I mean I'm sure that I, I did not cover that whole unit and I, I know there's things that I didn't see um, but I, I really did expect more for a 20 plus unit but you're right a, a good unit to put in for and, and it's gotten a lot of attention a lot of people are putting in for that one right. well, and, actually, and, and oh sorry go ahead I was just going to say and actually you know, 61, 62 and even 60 right there on the Utah border as one right. that's starting to uh, really go up so kind of that whole area is really starting to get a lot of attention. It's, and that's for those that don't know the units, that's just south of Grand Junction. Yeah, and and that's the point I was going to bring up. You mentioned uh, 62. Some of that dynamic might be uh, a little bit different because 62 and 61 actually split a mountain range. Mm-hmm. So everything on the west side of 61 where the bigger bulls are, are being taken – and 62 on the east side of that mountain range is a low point barrier uh, compared to, to 61, and a lot of more a lot more elk are being taken. So there's a lot of pressure pushing the elk back onto 61. I'm sure if, with with just looking at the the harvest data, and so it, it might be a bit of a unique dynamic that 
maybe some of them big bulls are leaving 61 from time to time and being shot on 62 where they where they're sharing the same mountain range um and so i just know like say from from years of talking to them they they talked about it like it was our <laughs> our big big bull hunts but i i kind of knew colorado don't get me wrong they have some great bulls in some units but being from Utah, we've been spoiled with with just giant bulls in a lot of units. You know, you brought up a good point about, and one thing I got to, we probably got to mention about Colorado is so when you think about Colorado, the elk hunting dates, you're talking September second to November twenty eighth of this year. So pretty much the whole month of September, the whole month of October, and the whole month of November. And and so once those hunts start happening, even the archery hunt, these elk start moving all over the place so they'll jump from unit to unit quickly in a matter of hours you know i mean so you know one unit that you think okay this it does take 20 points to do this unit i may be going to be able to go into a neighboring unit and once those elk start moving around it's amazing i'll just share a quick experience um i was in i was hunting deer in a unit a few years two years ago um where it's not really known for its elk and I had an elk in my a elk tag in my pocket. And I just it was an over the counter unit uh, actually, um, and so I you know kind of had in my mind that yeah maybe I might see an elk. Well, we're sitting there glassing one day for deer, and all of a sudden we see it was a huge. I mean for Colorado, a huge six point bull elk. It was I mean it was probably a three ten three twenty class bull. I mean he was going Mach three through that unit just hauling balls as fast as he could i'm like where i mean he was he was too far away i would and, and moving so fast i wasn't even gonna take yes. a shot but i probably should have was... what's that oh i was saying he was doing the elk thing dude he was he was running six counties away from whatever had got him riled up exactly that's exactly the point right there is you just never know in Colorado, because that's a lot of hunting right there together, um, and it's just bam, bam, bam after another. So you never know when in a place you're not supposed to see elk, at least elk like that, all of a sudden, boom, there is one. And then had he stopped, ah, maybe would have. <laughs> he, he was on the edge of my range, but uh, we, we we might have torched one off at him. But it, it was, as fast as he was running, no, wasn't happening. So, anyways, pretty cool. But yeah, never know what you're gonna find in Colorado. Yeah, elk have a tendency that they're like camels, man. They'll go and go and go, and they have they have a destination in mind, and they're going there. And it don't matter how long or how far they have to go. Sometimes they'll do it. You know, it's so. amazing. It's amazing because we were sitting up on this hill, and I mean, we could probably see. Oh gosh, it, it had to have been at least oh miles. I mean, tw- I'm gonna say ten to twenty mile range that we could see, and mm-hmm. he didn't stop. I mean, he just full bore, just going through. And I, so I'm a runner, and I'm like, man, I wish I had that kind of endurance and stamina to just, <laughs> I mean, just full force, just going that that many miles. Yep. It was crazy. So, crazy impressive. Yes. Uh, well, let's see. Elk is covered for the most part. I'm trying to think if we're forgetting anything to do with elk hunting. Um, so, so the the archery season dates. What what are the archery dates in Colorado for elk? Uh, September second to September thirtieth. So basically, the whole month of September. Whole month of September. So you're hunting them right peak rut with a bow. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty cool opportunity there for for bow hunters. 
it actually, and this might segue us into another conversation, but, um, you know, the elk here in Colorado, they, they like to scream and yell at each other. Uh, and that may not last forever because I know what's happened in Idaho, and now you can't get an elk to bugle to save your life because if they bugle, a wolf's going to be on top of them. But um, So those those archer dates are really awesome in, in Colorado because they are they are screaming their heads off, and it is so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, it's, like I say, elk hunting, it's, it's a different ball game to have something that big screaming in your face. Uh, it just, it's a pretty cool experience to have. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, you brought up wolves. Do we want to touch on that? <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to talk about that. Let's not. <laughs> okay. No, we'll I'm just, kidding. We'll just, we'll just get out that out of the road right now. <laughs> oh, man. We probably ought to talk about wolves and i like i said i'm going to share my opinions on this i i've talked to you guys can go back and listen to podcasts i've talked with um you know as high as you can go in the colorado parks and wildlife department um jt romatsky about the wolves and the introduction i've talked about i've talked to um you know biologists and members of cpw since the the bill has been passed and you can go back and listen to those podcasts and what the plans are there Guys, and I'm sure most everybody listening to this podcast, you know, this is not a good thing. Um, I'm really disappointed in Colorado, and it's kind of sad to see what Colorado's becoming. Uh, you you know, I on the night of um, the elections, I think I watched the wolf numbers here more than I did the actual presidential number of votes that night, um, and just blown away that it was even close. I thought for sure... That you know, there'd be a, enough of us in the state that that loved hunting, that loved wildlife, that loved conservation. Uh, enough smart people to know that it was not a good idea. Um, but there's not. Colorado has oh, the dynamic is is drastically changing, and it's drastically changing by the day. Um, and so the wolf, you know, introduction did pass. On November 3rd and they are in the works of, of bringing them in again go back and listen to the podcast that I did um, with Randy Hampton we talk about what this introduction is going to look like um, and how it's going to work and, and it's funny as you talk to these guys they're they're not fans of this you know it, it is their job and they have now they have to figure it out they, you know they, they have no choice but to figure it out I like to do my job I have a day job you know, I like to do it well, and, and they've now got to figure out how to do theirs well. But you can tell that they're not a fan of it because they know what it's going to do uh, to the deer and the elk herds. And I'm just going to put it out there for, for you all that, that hunt Colorado or want to hunt Colorado. It, it's going to change. Um, over the next few years, as they start to introduce wolves into Colorado, hunting is, is going to change. And we kind of, I kind of already mentioned it about a few things, but you know, we talked about the deer numbers and what they're doing with the CWD, moving dates back and, and decimating the herds that way. Wolves are going to come in and they're going to do the same thing. A lot of people think, oh, no, you know, it's going to take time. Look at Idaho. Idaho's a perfect example. I have so many friends, people that hunt there. Um, I've talked to legislatures there um, or legislatives there. Uh, it's ruined a lot of the hunting up there, and it will do the same thing here in Colorado with both the deer and, and the elk herd elk will not talk you know we've loved that it's been so fun hunting elk in colorado because really all of the archery season muzzleloader season and first rifle season hopefully first rifle season the the elk i killed last year he bugled right before i shot him but um 
you know, they, they talk, they scream, and it's so fun to hunt them. That will go away. You know, they'll, they'll get quiet because they have to, to to survive. And so um, the dynamic of hunting in Colorado is going to, hunting ungulates in Colorado is going to drastically change over the next few years. So really, honestly, if you want to hunt Colorado and experience what Colorado, Colorado is and has been, uh, you've only got a couple years to do it. And it's sad. It breaks my heart because I am a resident of Colorado and um, it's sad to see what's what's happening here and the decisions that people here in Colorado are making and it's not for the better it really is not and so um, you know I was talking to a person the other day who who did vote pro introduction of wolves and they're like oh but I'm so excited to see these pretty wolves you know when I'm when I'm out driving or out walking the trails I'm like are you freaking kidding me for one you're not going to see them when you're driving. Those, those things are sneaky as can be. Two, that's the last thing I want to see when I'm hiking because those they'll they destroy everything. Not, I mean, sorry, this is this is a tangent that I'm going on, but uh, you do not want to see them. Pe- people have a Disney view of what a wolf is, and it is not that way. They are going to come in here and they will destroy everything in their path and it'll change the the dynamic of Colorado. Sorry about the, the tangent. No, so so I'll I'll give you some information um on on wolves in Colorado and some of the the news that's happening currently and then I'll give you a brief uh opinion of mine on this whole deal on wolves in general in in North American wildlife management. Um first things first, recent article I we put up on the website discusses that uh, Rio Blanco County has put a resolution in that and, the, and their hands are kind of tied but but it's kind of slowing the, the, the introduction process at least in that county um, they put a resolution in place that they are not open or allowing reintroduced wolf areas to be listed within the county so essentially what that means is they're not going to allow CPW to put wolves artificially is what they're saying introduce these wolves into the county however their hands are kind of tied so they have to say they are open to natural introduction or migration into the county so essentially what rio blanco county is hoping to do is that a large portion of the western counties band together in this resolution to slow the introduction in their part or their counties of the state so it would be in a different county that that is open to that now that does slow it because it's going to take that much longer for the wolves to spread to those counties but let's be honest if if yellowstone has taught us anything those wolves will eventually spread to those counties yeah wolves don't Um, see county boundaries no (laughs) no no especially if the elk or habitat or whatever is is good now now here's my issue with or my whole opinion on the wolf issue in in the lower 48 um so a lot of people probably don't know this but originally i was going to go to school to be a wildlife biologist i was actually at utah state in their wildlife science program um for a couple semesters and then realized there's no money in it it is definitely a labor of love you do not get paid well to be a wildlife biologist um so i ducked out however we had multiple people in my wildlife science classes that discussed keystone what what they call keystone predator 
um, reintroduction, which is your your wolves, your cougars, your grizzly bears, things like that. Um, and to an extent, as a part of the wildlife program, I, I was I, I believed what they were telling me in that as wildlife managers, we need to believe that we need to manage every wildlife species to make the ecosystem work correctly because man has altered so much of the area. So that means from the smallest animals to the largest animals need to be managed properly and, and they can be introduced onto the landscape if they are managed properly. However, when it comes with predators, because as Terrans stated, people have a Disney view of, of nature in general, not just predators or wolves or anything natural and nature in general everyone thinks it's it's lovey-dovey and they all get along um my issue with reintroducing these predators is that politics get in the way of actual sound wildlife management mm-hmm. um you see it constantly they cannot get grizzlies delisted in wyoming and every time they do somebody threatens to sue them no matter what the wildlife managers tell them, whether it's we need to take some bears off of here or we need to you know, reduce harvest or whatever, they sue. And they've done the same thing with wolves. I mean, currently Montana, if they pass these, these wolf hunting re- regulations, they're going to have multiple legislations or court cases, I should say, going on trying to sue to reverse it. And that's my biggest problem with wolves. If, if they were going to actually introduce them, and I'm still up in the air on that. But if they were going to introduce them and they're going to say, you know what, from day one, we're going to be allowed to manage these animals exactly how we want. We have a very strict number that we want to keep. And if they start overkilling our ungulates, we're going to, to harvest more of them. And they had no – if this was happening in a bubble and there was no court cases or suing or anything going on, I would be more open to it. But with the way it is currently – and having zero ability to actually manage these animals because there's so much political BS involved with trying to tell a wildlife manager how they need to manage the wildlife. I, I'm not for wolf or grizzly bear reintroduction into places because they won't allow people to actually keep the populations where they need to be. It's it's not five hundred or five thousand years ago where things can roam if you introduce these things into a place especially as populated as colorado this is the first state you're actually going to start seeing human wolf conflict you know idaho montana their population numbers are are a lot less you you put something like a grizzly or a wolf in in colorado that that population of the human population alone is so much greater. You're, you're just amping up the, the human animal conflict factor added in with how, I mean, and, and I guess we, I'm kind of spinning in circles, but we've discussed it before. Colorado is a deer and elk factory. When there's that much food source, that state's going to become a predator factory too. I mean, they have quality bear numbers, they have quality mountain lion numbers, and they are managing both those species. You're going to introduce a species that you're not going to allow any management on. It's going to create an issue. You're, you're going to have a wolf population explode that, that's going to be unchecked. And then when it's time to regulate them, 
there's going to be a bunch of, of legislation and court cases and things that come up to prevent that from being regulated. Yeah. Very well said, Seth. Very well said. You know, I, and for the most part in, in the other podcasts you'll listen to that I've done with these officials and biologists and managers and things like that, you know, I, I try to keep a pretty even, you know, response and and try to keep my opinions to myself basically um and i apologize for going on that huge tangent about this um but i do feel like this is is going to change you know but one thing i do feel good about is um i do feel like the jt romatskis and the, the other biologists that i've talked to i do feel like they have um our best interest at heart you know, you'll see a lot of people slam the CPW on Facebook groups and things like that. And I don't think all that is, is justified. I feel like at the core, these, these guys that I've talked to truly have the same wants and desires that we have. Again, they do have a job to do and, and whatnot. And, I, and the bad thing is their hands are kind of tied. They're handcuffed because of the, the decisions that are made made politically just like you talked about Seth and the thing about wolves that it'll it'll always be a political issue if like you said if they could be left if if JT Romatsky and his team could be left to manage them how they see fit and the you know they are wildlife biologists and how they know how to do it I, I'd probably be a little bit better and, and a little bit more comfortable about this comfortable about this um, even though it's it'd be so hard to manage wolves wolves are a different predator than than bears and mountain lions but um, right. but that's not the situation that we're in. Um, like I said, their hands are tied. Even JT said that on our, on our, uh, podcast that I did with him. It, you know, if you go back, it, it's episode number one that we did. And, uh, he talked about that, you know, he, that they will be limited. They'll do their best they can. Um, but they'll have some limitations. So it's kind of scary. Yeah. And, and unfortunately that's, I mean, that's any, any state that's dealing with a keystone predator, like a like a grizzly or a, a wolf it, it's a very difficult aspect to get anything on the books i mean how many times have they rolled out a wolf hunt in wyoming to immediately have it shut down mm-hmm. and and it's going to happen again because trump trump released them from the the uh endangered species list or delisted them um every state scrambled to do however whatever their management plan calls for um, but I'm sure they're going to be reinstated, and and then you're going to have more court cases come up. So it's going to get ugly. It's going to get really ugly. Yeah. So, but you know, I, I don't want this to be all doom and gloom and and whatnot. So I, I would say for those that are that want to hunt Colorado or do hunt Colorado, let's take advantage of the next few years that we have. You know, don't let the unknown really affect you too much i mean we all kind of have an idea of what this is going to do in the future and, and the biologists are in the kind of have the same thought that we do um but take advantage of the next few years that we have in colorado enjoy it and um have fun and and don't don't take out your frustrations on on the cpw or or wildlife managers as as taryn said before they have to they have to follow what the people of Colorado voted for and unfortunately they they decided although narrowly they decided that they want them so it's not their fault they're doing the best they can with what they've got yeah they got to do their job I mean just like Seth 
you know, if Seth was a mechanic, he he only wants to work on Fords. He never wants to work on a Chevy, but you know, he would work on a Chevy if he had to. So you know, sometimes you just have to do something <laughs> in your job that you don't want to do. <laughs> was that right? Did I have that right, Seth? <laughs> uh, you're getting me riled up already. <laughs> I, I'm gonna have a bunch of pissed off Ford drivers. I I worked it. I worked don't, Ford. Don't do it. No, no. I'm not even going to let you do it. No. No, I'm just saying this is an honest story. I, I worked at Ford as a, a mechanic in the in the shop. I had six mechanics, and all six of them drove Chevys because they were so sick and tired of working on Fords every day that they could not go home and work on another Ford. So, <laughs> so the moral of the story is buy a Ford. No, please don't. <laughs> Oh gosh! Oh man. Um, so we've covered it pretty well, but what what are some other unique hunting opportunities in Colorado for guys that you know want to go hunt, but maybe maybe don't want to tackle a a backcountry elk hunt or a, a deer hunt or something along those lines? What what else can a guy do in Colorado to to scratch that hunting itch? You know, that's the great thing about Colorado. There's so much diversity in hunting here. Um, I'll give you a few examples. Well, a few things that are out there you know how i talked about you know the the west side of colorado west side of west of i-25 is very mountainous and yeah it's it's pretty rugged east side is is the plains and so there's tons of opportunity for turkey hunting upland bird hunting um you know all sorts of different types of hunting that isn't quite as crazy as as some of these backcountry elk hunts i would say one of the coolest things about Colorado one one great opportunity in Colorado is the the pronghorn um I think everybody knows my my excitement for pronghorn but uh, <laughs> it's my favorite animal Monty if, yeah if you're listening yeah, he, but, <laughs> don't let him kid you he, every chance he gets he loves to talk crap about the old <laughs> about the old American antelope man <laughs> oh my gosh but okay so with all that being said though had a such a fun hunt last week on my my antelope hunt I was able to take my Last week, you mean last year? <laughs> oh, what did I say last don't, week? Oh, sorry, last yeah, year. Yeah, don't get people riled up, man. Ooh, they don't think yeah. you're poaching. <laughs> yeah, I ain't poaching. Sorry, I meant last year. Last year. Um, yeah, took my five-year-old and my nine-year-old out uh, to go on a really easy antelope. Um, you know, and the cool thing is, so I didn't shoot a giant. I shot an itty-bitty little thing. But, you know, it was super fun. It chased my truck down like most antelope do. Shot it. Super easy to do. But there is a lot of cool opportunity for antelope here in the state, and there's some there's some units that take quite a few points to get, and you know you can get some pretty nice and a good scoring antelope here um, in, in Colorado, and it's not going to require you to take llamas into ten you know ten miles into the backcountry, you know it's not going to require you to really destroy yourself if you you can build up a few points, go hunt these um, they're they're kind of in the lower areas. Um, Again, they they chase your truck, so all you have to do is just shoot them as they're jumping in the truck, and it's super easy. But uh, no, I'm kidding. Monty's gonna be so pissed. Oh, I know. It's gonna be. I can't wait to hear from him on it. <laughs> but but that's an opportunity that that Colorado has. You know, another cool opportunity that a lot of people don't think about is the bear hunting. So um, you know, there's other states that have better bear hunting. I think Oregon has better bear hunting. Even Northern California probably has better bear hunting, as far as getting tags and you know, finding a bear pretty easily, but Colorado does make it pretty easy to, to put a tag in your pocket. Um, even last year on my elk hunt, I had a bear tag 
in my pocket. The days crossed over. It was an over-the-counter uh, bear tag. Really easy to get. Um, such a cool opportunity. Just to, just to even have that in my pocket. Uh, the guys that hunted the season before us said they saw like three or four bears in the same unit that we were hunting. So I was like, okay, there's a chance I'm gonna I'm gonna find one. So, but even if uh, you don't even do it as kind of like a, an addition to the hunt that you're already doing, there's a lot of zero point units that you can do bear hunting, and it doesn't require you to kill yourself. You know, um, the first year that I moved to Colorado, I hunted. I hunted bear and um, had a blast. I mean, it was it was such a fun time. Um, most of the areas that I went to, I could just drive to, and I just sat up on the hill and, and just kind of glassed and found a few bears, and it, it was it was cool. So, um, if you're interested interested in bear hunting, uh, we better not get too far down that because that's another animal that's Disney-fied, but um, <laughs> super fun animal to uh, to hunt and, and really cool and lots of opportunities. So. So really, honestly, Seth, anything that you really want to hunt, you know, in Colorado, there's there's so much opportunity. If you want to get crazy and do sheep and goat and moose and, and chase those points and hunt the rugged, high country, miserable crap, you can do that. You know, or or you can do the you know the turkeys, the the pronghorns, the the whitetails, the plains mule deer.s I mean, there's just really a hunt for anybody. And if you're Whatever you're looking for, you can find it in Colorado. There's so much opportunity. Right, great, great waterfowling. If if you're into duck hunting and, and goose hunting, especially in that eastern part of the state, um, upland game birds all over the place. I think they've got, if I remember right, they've got prairie chickens even that you can apply for a permit. Um, got pheasants and sharp tails and just a ton of different birds you can you can chase. Um, it, like I say, it's it's definitely got a lot of hunting opportunity, and it's gorgeous too. You know that that's the thing, especially the guys out east. If if you even want to just get into some of the mountains, I mean, there, there's just such beautiful country out here. And in a matter of an hour, you can drive from the plains where you're hunting ducks to you know twelve, thirteen thousand feet where you're hunting elk. I mean, it's just it's amazing. Colorado is a really unique place to hunt and. Um, I honestly, if I, I think it should be on everybody's list. If you're if you're wanting to hunt different states, if you're an out of state hunter, I guess quote unquote out of state hunter, um, Colorado really should be on your list. It is a it is a great place to go. I say I cut my teeth hunting there. It was actually my first big game hunt I've ever went on because at the time. They let youth hunters hunt in Colorado before they did in Utah. So, my first ever deer hunting experience was in was in Colorado. So, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It, you know, being a resident has helped greatly uh, for getting a lot of the tags. And so, I'm I'm definitely blessed to be a resident of Colorado. But it, you know, it's a it's a non-resident destination as well. We were on on our elk hunt this last year, and man, I talked to people from Mississippi, Minnesota. Um, Tennessee, Florida, just, you know, people from all over the country coming to Colorado to hunt elk. So it's pretty cool. So, well, Seth, I think that about covers Colorado. Guys, if you have any questions, um, like I said, please reach out. We'd be happy to help in any way that we can. If we don't have the answers, we've talked to a lot of people have a lot of connections that we can definitely find those answers for you. Um, but really appreciate you guys. Um, Seth, anything that we that you want to add to this? 
Uh, I think we pretty well covered it. It's like I say, reach out if you need any questions asked. I, I like I say, I haven't hunted it much, but I am the research man. I've been looking into hunting it for quite a few years now, and this year I finally pulled the trigger. But I've looked at a ton of different units. I've, I've talked to biologists. Terrence talked to them. If if you guys need any help or anything, reach out, and we'll we'll see if we can help you out. And don't you know go. Go back to our old podcast. Go back to our, you know, go to the website. We're always posting articles about Colorado. Um, so if you want any kind of new updates, go to our website, hit the news section, drop down to the, the western states and hit Colorado, or the west and hit Colorado. Um, you'll see article after article on there, and um, we keep you pretty well updated. The site is ehunter.com. That's E-H-U-N-T-R.com. So go and check that out. Also, before we go, I um, want to send another shout-out to Vortex and PhoneScope. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate everything that you do for us and for not even just us here at eHunter, but for all the, you know, us as hunters in general. You guys make some awesome products, and we appreciate you guys. So that's all I have. Seth, appreciate you, you being on, and it's kind of fun being on the other side of this, having you ask me the questions. We should do this more often. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll work out. We can, we can manage, that's for sure. Be on the lookout. We're going to... Um, you know, we do, we have Monty and Curtis on here. We've all lived in different states. We all spend a lot of time researching different states. So Monty is the guru of, of Wyoming. We'll have him him on here pretty quick. Uh, Curtis is the the guru of, of Arizona and um, Idaho. So we'll have him on as well to kind of talk through some of the new updates and changes and opportunities in in those states as well. So. Appreciate you guys. Um, Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, share it around, and let us know if you have any questions. See you guys. See ya.